You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's open our Bibles together. This morning we turn to Revelation chapter 3 beginning at verse 14 to verse 22. It's rather unusual to perhaps read the letter to the church at Laodicea on Lord's Supper Sunday. But as you will see, hopefully, it is somewhat fitting this morning. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we travel down the road of life, we need many things. We need guidance, instruction, We need reminder, sometimes warning. We need hope, help, and also encouragement. Yes, and all of that comes our way, and the way of God's people of old, here in these seven letters of Jesus Christ to the churches in Asia Minor. I know, of course, that I should be dealing this morning with Revelation chapter 12, but it's a little too long and much too deep for a brief sermon. So instead, I'm doing a little backtracking, going back to Revelation chapter 3. And you may know that in these chapters, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, there is a lot of good stuff. Well, there's even good stuff, you might say, to be found in the strangest of places, For I want to say a few things to you this morning about what can be found in the letter of Jesus Christ to the church at Laodicea. And what is the church at Laodicea? You might say it's the church that receives the toughest letter. It's the church that gets raked over the coals more than any other. Christ even tells the believers there that he is ready and prepared to spit them out of his mouth. Not exactly a compliment. And indeed, I don't know about you, but I have never yet come across a church these days that calls itself the Laodicean Church. 
No one wants to go there. No one wants to be known as neither hot nor cold, but as lukewarm. But you know, nevertheless, even in this stern letter, there is encouragement. You find it at the end where Christ promises to the overcomers that they will sit with him on his throne. As the Father has promoted him, he says, so he will promote his faithful followers too. But then just before that final word of encouragement, there is another good word. There's one that dovetails with what we are going to do together here this morning. There are some encouraging words about eating. And let's consider those words together for a moment under the theme, sharing a meal. And the specific words that I am referring to can be found in the verses 19 and 20. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The church at Laodicea, as we said a moment ago, is a church in trouble. And the Lord Jesus Christ sees this. For remember how he's described back in chapter 1. It says, among other things, that he has blazing eyes, eyes like blazing fire. And that means that eyes that penetrate into everything see everyone everywhere. Into all kinds of hearts and also into all kinds of churches. Yes, and what he sees in Laodicea is not good. The believers there are lukewarm, which means that when it comes really to the gospel and the things of the gospel, they are indifferent. It neither turns them on nor off. It does nothing to their lives. It's just something, you know, to tolerate. And in addition, the believers there are very smug. Indifference and smugness often go together. I have what I need and more. So who cares? Who really needs God anyway? Who truly needs salvation? Who actually needs saving and a savior? The church Laodicea is filled with people who have specialized or come to specialize in coasting. Coasting along. They're wealthy. They're comfortable, they have their toys, they have their holidays. Who needs Christ? And who needs what Christ has to offer? Well, beloved, to such believers, the Lord Jesus Christ comes now with some pointed words. He sees their lukewarm hearts and he addresses them. And the first thing that he sends them here in these two verses that we're looking at is a word of deep concern. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. What he has said and will say hurts. But it needs to be said because he loves them. Well, simply, Christ is here mixing love, rebuke, and discipline. And you may know that that's a hard combination to mix. 
Often when parents discipline their children, when teachers discipline students, when elders discipline wayward members, the words get hard and loud and confrontational. And there ends up being very little love in them. But yet that's not the case with our Savior. He always manages to mix these three, love, rebuke, and discipline, perfectly. And you know, he does it often, very often in these seven letters. Two churches, Smyrna and Philadelphia, receive only love. But the other five, and you can read that, get a combination of love and rebuke, love and warning, love and discipline. And also here in Laodicea, our Lord makes it very clear that his hard words to them are coming to them because he loves them. He's concerned about their smug attitude. He's bothered by their indifference. He's hurt by their callousness. He sees them gradually but surely going down a road that leads to destruction. And so, from out of a burdened heart, our Savior speaks to them. What does he tell them? Well, there's a second word embedded in our text, and it's a word of blunt reprimand. He says to them, be earnest and repent. Or if you want, you can translate it. He says to them, people, get serious. And change. And that's not an easy call. It means, first of all, that they need to radically examine their lives. They they need to scrutinize their words and their thoughts and their actions. and, And they need to put it all under the microscope of God's most holy word. It's brutal self-examination time. Where am I? What am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? Yes, and as they ask these questions and more, they need to be willing to let the Word of God speak to them. And that's hard. Listening is always hard. It's hard for children and teenagers, and I dare say it's just as hard for us adults. None of us love listening. None of us love listening to others, and at bottom, we don't love listening to God either. At least not by nature. So self-examination is hard, listening is hard. And one more thing is hard, and that's changing, turning, altering course fundamentally. But it's necessary. You know, when the Lord Jesus comes preaching, what is the first message that comes from his lips but this? Repent and believe the good news. And when the apostles in the book of Acts finally get going, what's the first word that they speak to the people? Repent and be baptized. This is how Jesus here comes to the Laodiceans and he tells them they need 
to repent. They need to take stock, to listen up, to to make a U-turn in their lives. They need to say goodbye to their indifference and their smugness and their false piety and and their self-confidence. They need to get back to God, back to humility, back to grace, back to holiness. Yes, and to help them get there, there's one more word in our text. And it's a word filled with starling fellowship. For next, Jesus says to them, after telling them to repent, he says, here I am standing at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, these are surprising words. Some would say they're especially surprising words for Calvinists. And why for Calvinists? Well, because some Calvinists turn everything over to God and leave no room for themselves to do anything. And yet here, believers are clearly being told by our Lord to do something. Jesus is knocking. He's standing at the door. He's even calling because his voice can be heard. Something needs to be done. Believers need to do something. And what? They need to get up off the couch and open the door. You know, when you think of it, this is the opposite of what you find in Matthew 7. For there, Jesus reverses the picture. There we are doing the asking and the seeking and the knocking. And there we are looking for a reaction from God. But here God, God our Savior, is looking for a reaction from us. And indeed, you can say here, Jesus is standing knocking, not just at the door, but even at the doors of our hearts. At the doors of the hearts of all of those Laodiceans. He's asking to be heard. He wants them to open the door. And he promises that if and when they open the door, he will come and he will eat with them and they will eat with him. On the surface, that looks like a case of bad manners. Here, Jesus is inviting himself in for supper. We don't do that usually, do we? But yet, actually, if you look at it, it's not a case of bad manners at all. No, in reality, it's a case of glorious, unimaginable privilege. Think about it. Can you wrap your mind around this, that that here the King of kings, the Lord of lords, wants to eat and dine with the likes of you and I? Who in his right mind would not rush to the door, open it wide, 
and then declare, really and truly, we are not worthy of such a guest. Why, Lord, would you want to eat with the likes of me? And that sense of surprise and embarrassment is all the greater if you take into account the Middle Eastern approach to eating and to sharing a meal. Eating together in that world, even today, is almost a kind of sacred thing. The most honored, treasured, and esteemed thing. Because people there take their food seriously. They also take their meals together seriously in the Bible and indeed in the entire world of the Scriptures. Eating together is a very special and intimate thing. So how surprised these Laodiceans must have been to get this letter. And how startled they must have been to hear this guest. Jesus the Lord wants to eat with us. Can you imagine? Is he serious? Is he joking? It's no joke, beloved. And neither is this meal that we are having together this morning a joke. Here we are eating too. We're eating the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus spiritually, in faith, in hope, in trust. Every Lord's Supper is a meal of glorious spiritual fellowship. Today again, we get to eat Him, and we get to eat with Him. In faith. Together it's all a preview of an even better time when we're going to get to eat with him face to face and with all the saints of God. Marriage feast of the Lamb, as the form reminds us, is coming. But then remember, remember, beloved, to eat, to share, to fellowship with him and with one another from out of a repentant heart. Indifference, smugness, self-satisfaction are not just a Laodicean disease. We're all vulnerable to these things. We all need to examine our hearts with care. And we all need to eat in fellowship with our Lord and Savior, our great Redeemer, in a spirit of humility, dependence, love, and awe. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.